Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Hope you had a great Easter on Sunday. Looked like the IU team, from what I could tell on social media, uh, they must have gathered at Coach Cliff Marshall's house for uh, an Easter Day get-together. Coach Marshall, obviously the strength and conditioning uh, athletic performance guy for IU basketball and seems to be uh, and we've talked a lot about this over his time at IU, spanning back under Archie Miller, seems to be kind of a, a spiritual leader of this uh, team and program as well. But I think that is where the IU team spent their Easter yesterday, a busy weekend for IU basketball. I know it was a, a dead weekend and not a lot going on on the travel, the grassroots circuit with Easter, but a uh, lot of uh, action either over the weekend with Malik Renew visiting, uh, and then also uh, Dennis uh, Dexter Dennis uh, from Wichita State. His official visit uh, begins today and concludes on Tuesday as well. So a lot shaking right now from a recruiting perspective. We'll cover it all coming up here in just a bit on this Monday program. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got some news and notes, some headlines from the weekend that we'll get to, uh, some IU recruiting stuff, as I mentioned. Also, Sean East of New Albany on Friday afternoon, he picked a college. He's got two years of eligibility left uh, coming out of junior college basketball for a season, and we'll talk about his destination here in just a few moments. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Zach Osterman of the Indy Star to talk IU basketball will kind of get you caught up on some of the weekend's uh, activities as far as recruiting goes, and we'll talk about the latest of what we know with this IU roster in the offseason. Of course, the big news last week was Race Thompson is coming back to be a Hoosier for, I've called it an, an unprecedented sixth year of college basketball. And the big uh, question mark now, really a couple question marks, Trace Jackson Davis. How does the pro process go for him over the next month or so? And Xavier Johnson, what happens with him and his legal issues? There really has been no further word from Indiana. A couple guests that we've had on this show say if they had to guess that it looks like, based on no activity or no announcement, that he is going to return to the IU program, to the IU team for next season. But again, Nothing is official. Uh, we haven't heard a lot since his court date a week ago Friday, but those are some of the big question marks that still exist 
with IU basketball in the offseason, and that doesn't even include uh, getting uh, anyone out of the transfer portal or what's going to happen with this uh, remaining scholarship, that the one that's currently open for next season. But we'll discuss all that more with Zach Osterman when he joins us later in the show today. And then later, uh, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member. He always joins on Monday. We talk local sports. High school baseball is in full swing. Uh, a lot of things to pay attention to there. And with Chad on Mondays, I hope that you don't think we're crazy, but the HBO series Winning Time about the Lakers, uh, we talk about that, it, it seems like, each week. So I'm sure that we'll have a recap of Episode 6, I believe it was, that came out last night. A uh, new episode comes out every Sunday night at 9 o'clock. And I am not a TV guy whatsoever, but uh, it's something that I've gotten hooked on watching, thanks to Chad, and we'll uh, we'll tell you about it. Larry Bird made his uh, appearance, or at least the actor playing Larry Bird made his appearance, uh, his debut in the program last night as we got uh, a little preview of uh, Boston and uh, the Lakers uh, from that first year of both of those guys in the NBA. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, with Chad later, and that's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out our their dinner package deals, uh, which are available. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's get into some headlines for today. Um, I tell you what, there was a time when Malik Renault, I think that's the right way to say it, Renault, uh, who plays it with uh, or played with uh, Jalen Hood Shafino uh, down at Montverde in Florida. He's in the class of 2022, so he's an outgoing senior, just concluded his high school basketball career. There was a time where he was uh, a distant thought as far as Indiana being an option. He committed to Florida uh, after the coaching change there. He reopened his recruitment, and really since his recruitment has been reopened, uh, that's when Indiana seemed to get in the mix. And I think a good uh, reason for that is Jalen hood Shafino. Uh, and he had a great season together. Uh, they seem to be very close, and Huchifino very much has been publicly about uh, pushing him to IU next season. Well, Malik and Jalen both played in the Jordan Brand Classic on Friday night, which was in Chicago. After that was over with, they both went to IU for an official visit, of course, big time for Malik, getting a chance to see the campus uh, for the first time, and his family was there as well, and uh, take things in. So uh, no word on an announcement yet, but keep in mind IU with one scholarship as things stand for next season. That's with TJD in the balance, and who knows about Xavier Johnson and uh, some other late happenings, always a potential. Don't forget, though, the transfer portal, the deadline to enter, is coming up here at the end of April. So I, it still seems like that uh, there's some things that have to happen. But Hood Shafino, uh, his help with Malik Renault, I think has IU in a pretty doggone good spot. And you want to talk about a 2022 recruiting class that uh, Hood Shafino already is the headline of. If uh, IU could add Renault to that class, uh, that for next season, uh, that would be another big get for Mike Woodson here early in his tenure at IU. Don't forget. His recruiting class last year was good, um, especially when you factor in a late get from Tamar Bates. So could Renault be a Tamar Bates-like gift late in the 
process, someone that's reopened their recruitment like Bates did because of a coaching change at Texas. Could that help Indiana once again land a really big name in the class late? And it does seem like Indiana is a legitimate player to get Renault as uh, he uh, takes a look at his recruiting process here for a, a second time after a coaching change at Florida. So that's the big recruiting news coming out of the weekend. Also, Dexter Dennis of uh, Wichita State, I believe his official uh, official visit at IU is scheduled for today and tomorrow. So, again, is he on the IU campus for an official without a scholarship offer? You would think the Hoosiers have explained their situation, and if they're serious enough to get him on campus, you would think that he probably has a scholarship offer. Who knows? But, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Trace. We don't know what's going to happen with Xavier, Geronimo, and who knows what else could happen late as we get a little bit further into the month. But uh, that's the latest with IU recruiting, a very busy weekend. And keep in mind, this coming week is another, the second live weekend of the spring for Division I coaches to get out and get on the road. So uh, it's it's been a busy three weeks here for IU coaches when it comes to recruiting. Of course, I'm sure every day is busy working the transfer portal and uh, trying to figure out the roster for next season. But uh, the coaches will be back out on the road looking at some of these guys, at least the 23, 24, and even now class of 2025 players that they've offered this coming weekend. There'll be a number of stops uh, across the country. The big shoe circuits, obviously, where you could expect the IU coaches to spend most of their time, but uh, they'll be back out on the road this weekend. One other big headline coming out of the week is Sean East, uh, former New Albany player. Let's try to recap East as, uh, his career since high school. He graduated from New Albany. Uh, played one year at Combine Academy in North Carolina, which is a prep school, so it was primarily fifth-year players. Then he went to UMass. That's where he initially committed, played there for a season, started for a while, had a lot of success for maybe the first half of the season or so. Things seemed to wane late in his freshman year. Then he goes to Bradley, also became a starter for a good part of the season, was not starting near the end of the year, almost identical to the situation at UMass. Then he announces he's going to go to John A. Logan over in Illinois to play junior college basketball. Basically, in a sense, he was using his extra COVID year um, for an opportunity to drop down and be re-recruited. He had a tremendous year with John A. Logan. They did get upset early in the Junior College National Tournament, uh, but he was named National Junior College Division I Player of the Year. He had an outstanding season. His team was great all year, and Deshaun obviously with a lot of college interest. So if you're counting from New Albany, it was Combine, UMass, Bradley, John A. Logan, and his new and we think final school will be Missouri, where Sean will have two years of eligibility left when he arrives on the Missouri campus a little bit later this summer. Uh, He announced his commitment on Instagram Friday afternoon, and I knew he was getting close to a decision. I was hoping that we would have it before we got off the air on Friday, but he announced his decision Friday afternoon. He did so with a series of pictures of him in a Missouri uniform looking sharp, uh, love one of the photos. He was actually kind of playing around on the court, playing defense on new Missouri coach Dennis Gates. So Sean told us when he joined us, what, a week or two ago on this show that it was very important for this final stop that he really got to know 
the coach and became really comfortable with him both on and off the court. And just from the few pictures that we've seen, uh, it does appear that Dennis Gates has, has won him over. So a big get for Dennis Gates in his uh, opening season, his debut season coming up at Missouri. And obviously for Sean, he's played good college basketball, good D1 basketball, but he's never played at the level of the SEC like he will do in the coming seasons. So uh, congratulations to Sean, and uh, going to be a lot of fun to follow him on a much bigger stage, and really because of Missouri not being far away and because of Missouri playing in the SEC with Kentucky, uh, we're going to see and hear a lot more about Sean, I think, than what we ever have from his days on the East Coast at Prep School in UMass and even over in Illinois at Bradley and John A. Logan and JUCO. So great stuff for Sean, um, and he's got two big ones left, two big seasons of college hoops left at Missouri. We'll see how those go. Uh, also, uh, a couple other notes to uh, mention. We have high school baseball coming up on Wednesday night. It'll be our first high school baseball game of the season. New Albany and Jeffersonville scheduled to do battle on Friday evening, so join us here on the Big X for that game. The Bats have a rare afternoon game, so we're going to be able to uh, squeeze in a high school game coming up on Wednesday night, that New Albany-Jeff game at New Albany, and first pitch in that contest is scheduled for 7 p.m. coming up on Wednesday night. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Love to hear from you. Questions, comments for our guest, IU Basketball. Uh, send in something for Chad and I to talk about on the winning time uh, Lakers series. Are you watching it, or are we the only two here locally that pay attention to it? I'm sure that uh, some of you have taken that in and enjoy it. But 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. We'll head to a quick break. We're back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. The latest on IU basketball is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. A reminder, the Big X Sports Radio golf cards are ready. The card features Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run Valley View, and Christmas Lake in Santa Claus, Indiana. You can play these great courses for under $25 a round with the 2022 Big X Sports Radio golf card. You can get yours today, BigXSportsRadio.com, or call 812-725-1457. Again, 812-725-1457. With me right now, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star as we talk the latest with IU basketball. And Zach, since we spoke last, uh, Race Thompson officially back in the fold going to return for another season, a sixth season of college basketball for the Hoosiers. 
it, it is, I think, important. I, I don't think, you know, anybody kind of needs to be told it's important. I think it's particularly important the way that, um, you know, Mike Woodson wants to play. Um, he clearly relies on experienced players. I think defensively he relies on being able to clear the glass. And, and not that anybody doesn't, but I think that one of the underpinnings of Mike Woodson's man-to-man is that, you know, there's the, you, you don't sacrifice defensive rebounding for leak out transition or anything like that. Like you, you, you clear the, the board and then you move. Um, you know, if you, if you look at Ray Thompson's numbers, I mean, percentage wise, he's a better rebounder than Trace Jackson Davis, which is obviously saying something. Um, he's a very capable defender without fouling. One of the things that's two things stuck with me about Ray Thompson is last season went on number one, a number of his percentages, either state static and up in conference play. Normally you see guys percentages dip a little bit in conference play for obvious reasons. Uh, but his defensive rebounding rate was actually higher in big 10 play than it was overall. His turnover rate was substantially lower. He hit 5% more of his free throws in conference play. He was basically the same finisher on twos in conference play that he was last season overall. And he was much better uh, on threes from 27.3% to 28.9%. And the other thing, and this was something that I, I mentioned uh, in a, on Twitter and then in a story I wrote about him late in the season, 17 of 20 times, Indiana played all 20 Big Ten games last year. In 17 of those games, Ray Thompson went for at least eight points and six rebounds. So that, that was essentially his four, was eight and six. Now, you know, we'll see kind of what the dynamic is if Trace Jackson Davis comes back. If he doesn't, obviously Indiana will need maybe a higher floor from Ray Thompson. But the only other player in the conference that went for eight and six as a minimum level of production in as many games as Ray Thompson against 17 of 20 last year was Johnny Davis of Wisconsin. Kobe Coburn didn't do it. Hunter Dickinson didn't do it. Jaden Ivey didn't do it. And it's not to say that he's, he's those players' peers. It's more to say more than once we heard Mike Woodson, we heard teammates describe Ray Thompson as maybe the most consistent player in the Big Ten. That every single night he stepped on the floor, you knew you could count on just a, a, a baseline level of production and performance from him that almost never wavered. And that statistic really backed it up because eight and six may not sound like a lot, but eight and six, if that's your starting point, is really good from a, a front court forward. Now, again, if Trace Jackson Davis leaves, and obviously he's in, he's declared for the NBA at this point, um, then Ray Thompson's role probably changes, and Indiana probably asks a bit more of him. But where he is right now, at very least, that that baseline is already very very high. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us. Uh, let's get away from the roster for next season for just a moment. Really, I guess, as we talk about Malik Renault, we're not getting away from it for next season because he's a current senior in the 2022 class. But I mentioned in our headlines today he was in Chicago with Jalen hood Shafino for the Jordan Brand game on Friday night. The pair both came to Bloomington for official visits on Saturday and a portion of Sunday. And it seems like Renault, who decommitted from Florida after a coaching change, it seems that he's very interested in Indiana. And it seems like Jalen hood Shafino is very much pushing him to become a Hoosier next season with him. Yeah, I think I think everybody in, in 
the Indiana sphere of influence, if you want to use that term, saw the Instagram video of Jalen Hutch, you know, I think it looked like they were walking down Indiana, maybe Indiana Avenue uh, with Malik Renault and Hutch, you know, saying, Renault, what did he say? Told me he's coming or something like that. I mean, you know, from what I've, and, and I'm just now coming, this is my first day back off of um, family leave. So I, I've admittedly kind of been a bit tuned out and I'm not going to act like I've, I'm not going to represent like I've spoken to Malik Renault or anything since his visit, certainly. But what I haven't sort of garnered is these weeks have gone on. Indiana was involved with Renault back in the fall. It never got super serious. They never had him on a visit. Obviously, he signed with Florida. Since he reopened in the spring following the coaching change in Gainesville, um, I, I, my perception from talking to people and recruiting – uh, from just kind of observing this and just keeping my ear to the ground is that Indiana's chances have improved considerably over the last few weeks. Um, I think there was maybe a bit of a presumption at one point that he would go to Miami. I think he's from the Miami area. But I think that, you know, number one, I think there's the obvious question of, well, if, if Miami was that appealing to him as a Miami kid, why didn't he sign there to begin with? Number two, I, I don't think Miami has I, – I don't say they haven't jumped back into his recruitment, but I think – my perception is sort of that Miami has, has always seen it as well. If he didn't want us the first time, what's changed, if that makes sense. Obviously, Indiana has one of his high school teammates coming here in you know, the Um Indiana has quietly a, a really good recent track record for big men. And that's not just his coaching staff, obviously. It's, you know, he, Mike Woodson's not going to take credit for what Juwan Morgan did or what Thomas Bryant did, but in, a lot of good bigs have come through Indiana in the last few years. Trace Jackson Davis being the most recent example. And Ray Thompson, I guess, to some extent as well. I, I'm not going to sit here and predict right now because, again, I have not spoken to him uh, that Malik Renault is, is coming to Indiana. But my perception of this is that Indiana's uh, Indiana's chances have improved pretty substantially. Or maybe maybe they were better than we thought initially, and just this time it's gone on, that's been more well sort of traveled or more revealed. But one way or another, I, I do think Indiana is a real player in this recruitment. I don't think this visit was just a, a favor to a friend or anything like that. Um, I think Indiana's got a, a, as much, at least as I kind of read the tea leaves on this right now, as much of a shot as anybody recruiting Malik Renault. All right. Uh, if Renault were to choose Indiana ultimately, boy, Mike Woodson – will have had some uh, great excuse, <clears throat> excuse me choked up here Mike Woodson will have had some good success late in these reopened recruitments because of coaching changes that's how Tamar Bates came into the fold a year ago when there was a change at Texas and now it appear, appears Renault could be there's a real possibility as discussed that he could join the team next season yeah and I, I think this is without wanting to go to you know fifth layer on it I guess I think this this is one of those maybe effects of the transfer portal. I was talking to actually just over the weekend somebody who used to be in college coaching um, that maybe is kind of one of those unintended, you know, like I said, second, third, fourth layer effects. It seemed like there was a strong trend in kind of maybe the four or five years pre-portal toward a lot of top 50 kids wanting their recruitment shut down in the fall. And a lot of top 50 kids, you know, they're, they're not being a lot of those guys other than maybe a couple elite ones that were so good that they could force the programs pursuing them to leave a, leave spots open through the year. 
but that a lot of kids just wanted it done. And, and so you would get to the spring and really the recruiting pool would be a lot more like late risers, guys who had a really strong senior year, you know, guys who maybe fit a certain kind of need, like a really good shooter who's, who's, you know, stock rose because teams knew they needed shooting help. I think now we are seeing programs pulling the trigger a little bit more quickly at times, rightly or wrongly on firing coaches because of the portal, at least in part because of the portal, because teams, you know, ADs and, you know, athletic departments, administrators understand that if, if things are going sour in your program, it's never been easier to leave. Um, and I think LSU is a really good example of that. You see what's happened at LSU just in the last few weeks since they fired Will Wade. And, and I think, you know, I think they made a good hire there, but it, it, that, that doesn't change the fact that a lot of, a lot of, current players and recruits sort of saw the writing on the wall and said, you know, it's not really that hard for me to find a situation that might be better for me. I'm just going to go ahead and take it. And I think what part of what's happening a little bit here is as maybe the coaching carousel is a little bit more unpredictable come spring because of the portal, because of, and there's some other attendant factors as well. You know, obviously what happened at Texas wasn't necessarily portal driven or anything like that. It was Shaka Smart sort of calling his own shot on, on realizing it wasn't going to work in Austin and going to a new place. But I think that there's just sort of this, a, a lot of different things, some of which I think sort of spoke out from the way the transfer portal has developed the one-year exception being obviously, you know, hand in glove, a part of that. I think there's a lot of things that have really kind of driven – a little bit driven us to a place where there are a few more of these top 50 ish kids. And I know Malik Reno is really more like top 30, but I'm just, that's a good sort of blanket, you know, a blanket group. There's a, there's a little bit more activity on the high school front in the spring than, you know, at that, that level of the talent pool than maybe there used to be. Um, or at least at very least than maybe the way it seemed like it was trending four or five years ago. Um, and I don't know if that remains, maybe it is just one of those things where, Hey, there's a couple classes where that just happens. You know I mean? That, that, that's also possible. Sometimes people like me can mistake one-off events for trends. And, and then it turns out in 24 months, I'm, you know, I'm talking out of my behind, but, um, I, ju I, I do just think that there's maybe just a little bit more for a variety of reasons of a culture of movement in the spring. And you're seeing some more of these guys out there. And if a program like Indiana has good staff work, a head coach that can connect with them, assistants that can build those relationships well, then and, – and it's also worth saying, too, a roster of guys that will advocate for you. Because sometimes if the culture's not right in your program – and I'm not saying Indiana is perfectly harmonious and everyone's holding in and singing Kumbaya, but if the roster's not – or the culture's not right in your program, your players aren't going to go to bat point you know, in the way that it seems like some of them have in some of these recruitments. And I think that, I think that may be as evidence as well of just some strength Indiana has in these situations. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Zach, kind of switching gears, you know, we talk a lot about Coach Woodson and a lot about assistant coaches, especially in the spring when they're out and about recruiting. One guy that I, I know for, for an athletic performance, a strength and conditioning guy, I guess we've probably talked about him uh, more than the normal person in that position. But I wanted to bring up Cliff Marshall today. Uh, I was reading a report from over the weekend about Malik Renew's, Renault's visit to Bloomington. 
and uh, Cliff Marshall was mentioned in that report that the family met with him for a Q&A and a, I guess a demonstration of sorts of what he does at Indiana, trying to get players ready for the next level. And also, uh, I, I'm pretty sure on Instagram, uh, I saw that basically it looked like the entire team, the current team, uh, was at Coach Marshall's house for some sort of Easter uh, gathering or celebration. So he really plays a big role as a member of Coach Woodson's support staff. And, of course, he was here under Archie Miller as well. But he's been our view into the program a lot of times in the off season when there's not a whole bunch outside of recruiting or transfer portal stuff to talk about. He kind of gives you an insight into what the players are up to or uh, shows you before and after pictures once they complete their summer workouts. And he seems to be involved in recruiting. Uh, he also seems to have uh, kind of be a, a maybe a spiritual type leader, a motivator for the team as well. Just a guy that plays, I think, probably a bigger role than what his job actually includes. I actually think, I, I you know, every coach is always going to do the job a little bit differently. I, I do think a lot of actually what Cliff Marshall does, strength coaches, you would find tend to do and particularly I think in basketball where it is you know ultimately we we can we can talk so much about the moving parts around a program and forget that really in the end a basketball program is is a a a pretty insulated group of about 30 people who spend a lot of time around one another you've got 13 scholarship players maybe you know, three to five walk-ons, three assistants, a head coach, a head trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, and then your, you know, your sort of your your squad of, of graduate managers, ops people, et cetera. So no more than maybe about 30, 30 to 40 people, maybe. Um, and that strength coach, we've talked about this at different times before. The strength coach is the guy that spends the most time with these players. You know, he's the one that can be with them when none of the other coaches can. He's the one that runs a lot of their summer programs. He's the one that maybe in some ways, not necessarily that he needs to have the strongest relationship, but his relationship to some of these guys is going to be different to the relationship that like, in a, you know, a, an on-floor coach would have because a strength coach is going to be pushing these guys more. He's going to be pushing them differently. He's going to have to understand each guy on a, on a fundamental level that allows him to really kind of tap into what it is that gets that guy to go up, you know, two, three, 4% when he's tired or at a 6 a.m. workout or whatever. You know, I think that I, I can remember Janae Jackson having a similar, similar relationship with these guys. And I think it's important. You know, I think that role being featured in recruiting is important. Number one, you, yes, you, you do need to show a player. This is our plan for how to develop you physically. Cause I think, even the best high school players understand that they're not physically ready for the next level, you know, right away. The vast majority of them, a small handful will be, but we're talking about the Zion Williamsons of the world. Um, you know, even, even some of your elite prospects now are still, they've still got a lot of physical growth that needs to happen between now and like, let's say when they're making NBA all-star teams or whatever. Um, but there's, I think, also a need for that relationship to be strong and that comfort to be strong because ultimately the strength coach spends more time with the players than any of the other guys do. And I know that, you know, Cliff Marshall is uh, taking guys fishing for years, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's not like, oh, fishing is what's going to win you the Big Ten. It's more the idea that 
it's important for a coach to have it's important i think especially in the modern day with the portal with with player freedom and things like that for players not necessarily to be pampered but just to feel valued and you know not not to feel like commodities to their head coach to their assistants to anyone you have to have those personal relationships and you have to have guys that that trust you that will let you push them essentially and i think it's particularly important for a strength coach because you do spend so much time kind of you know, working hand in hand with an athlete to test their limits and see how far they can stretch themselves, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's just very important for any program, certainly not just Indiana. Absolutely. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star with us Mondays on the program. Zach, uh, it's been a busy ride, transfer portal, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Race Thompson. I, I guess the final player I need to ask before we close out our interview, and I asked this a couple times to guests last week, and there really hasn't been much much news or much of an update. But anything on Xavier Johnson and where things stand after his situation a few weekends ago? No, and you know, at this point, I, I would suggest there probably won't be. I mean, I think, um, and and that's that's me trying to read the situation. We don't have obviously because we've only kind of covered Mike Woodson for about 13 months now. We don't have like this extended bank of, you know, sort of precedent for what Woodson will do when players misbehave or whatever term you want to use in that. Obviously we, we saw what he did. We, we've seen a couple, you know, suspensions here and there. We saw what he did at Northwestern. Um, but I think that off season transgressions always present coaches a different sort of, you know, challenge. Cause it's like, well, you know, do you suspend him for a game in the season does the player really feel that as a punishment if it's something that happens so far between, you know, when the player screws up and when the punishment actually comes, or is it something where actually it's more valuable to for it to be a punishment that stays in house because nothing, you know, no one's around the program in late March and April, et cetera, media wise, but the player still feels it. the player still has to be there for let's say like 5 a.m. workouts or whatever it is. Um, I'm not saying nothing will happen. I, I, I suspect that if there was going to be some further public pronouncement around this, that it would have happened by now. Um, now, the other part of this is the, the legal situation has to get resolved, and, and that's always something that can throw up roadblocks, curveballs, you know, stuff that changes the, the stakes. But based on everything we know right now, I'm not saying this wasn't a serious, you know, a serious mistake from Xavier Johnson. But I also think that maybe, you know, maybe there's a punishment that gets handed down around the season. But I think it's also possible that, you know, really everything everything Indiana has said publicly is everything we're going to get public and everything else is going to be in-house. Yeah, it makes sense. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us Mondays to talk IU basketball and more. Zach, as always, thanks for the rundown today. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Chad Gilbert. Chad is the athletic director at Charlestown, IHSAA executive board member, and with us Mondays to talk local sports. Stay with us for that. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for all the small schools never had a chance to get here. 
Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad is the AD at Charlestown IHSA executive board member, and he's my guest as we talk local basketball uh, and sports of, of all here locally each Monday on the program. Chad, NBA playoffs are underway. I'm curious. Uh, actually, I know the answer. You had them on all weekend. Matt, is there not, you know, you think about it. March Madness ends. The Master starts up. We've got NBA playoffs starting right now. Thunder over Louisville this Saturday. You know, you got your two weeks when the morning news shows are at the backside of Churchill Downs. You'll see Coach Scotty Davenport on the backside and several familiar faces. Do we not live in a great area? I mean, just just a great spot to be in for sports. But, you know, you, you it just seems like one goes to the other. And with the NBA playoffs starting, that's no exception. I mean, if you watch these guys, you know, the 82 games, wherever they play in going on, sometimes you're limping to the finish line. Sometimes you're just getting it going. You know, you're just trying to figure out so you're at your best during the playoffs. But when those playoffs get here, Matt, it's lights out, man. Everybody is going full bore. Everyone is executing. And if you're a coach out there and you're looking for some quick hitters, you're looking, if you got a player, you know, you got a stud and you're trying to isolate him – Boy, it's a clinic every game. And yeah, I, I I think it's one of those things kinda of like baseball. The you, you know, guys watch baseball, the ones who enjoy it are the guys who understand it. You know, there's so many games within the game. And the NBA is the same way. There's so many ways that you create tough matchups for your opponent. And that, that that's something that is, from a coaching standpoint you love. But from a fan standpoint of excitement, I mean, you're not gonna get a better game than the Celtics game yesterday. No. That, that that was outstanding, and I think you're going to continue to see evenly matched teams that are going full bore of the best athletes in the world playing, competing at a high level. Chad, you know I love basketball, but I, I, it's going to have to advance a little further uh, in the playoffs for me to, to watch on a regular basis. I'll I'll pick and choose or catch a glimpse here and there, but uh, to sit down and watch that much NBA basketball, the first round of the playoffs – uh, I, I can't do it. And the other thing is, I don't know a whole bunch about the field this year. I mean, I know, you know obviously, I've kept a, up with the NBA from a distance, but I want Phoenix to win it just so it, it's somebody different, just so it's not one of the same old, same old. Uh, I'd like to see the Suns come up with a championship this year. Well, you know, Matt, it's almost like I felt the same way this weekend about, did you watch USFL at all? No. I mean, I tried to give it, you know, I said, hey, give it a chance, football. You know, these are high-level guys, you know. They're not NFL guys. Probably, you know, are are they SEC guys? <sighs> you know, they're they're pros, but no interest. I mean, if if you don't know the players, you don't know what you're looking for. Now, maybe maybe a Coach Hawkins or a Coach Cooley or someone, you know, who has football and they're looking for some schemes, maybe they can pick up something from it. But I couldn't name you one player. And I think that goes back to what makes high school sports special. As you know, that level is much, much higher than football here at Charlestown. However, you know, the, the, the athletes can do so much more. However, you don't know the players. And I think that's what makes Indiana sports so special 
is you know the players that you're that you're out there watching. You're rooting for someone's son that you went to school with. You're rooting for you've got teachers who come back and root for kids they had in second grade. You got people who go to church with people who are rooting for them. You got people who cut your hair, dentists that come to games to watch their patients. There's just so much involved in that when you know the participants it makes it that much more exciting. Yep. Speaking of high school sports and special uh, Butch Coleman, our friend over the weekend, texted me and said that Mr. Art Hare uh, passed away, I believe, last week, late last week. So I want to get some more details on that. But he is someone that was a, a real fixture with Jeffersonville basketball and even in the Jeffersonville baseball press box. Just one of the guys that you look forward to seeing when you went to a Red Devil game at, at, the, at their gym or their baseball field. Uh, another kind of a legendary figure that meant so much to so many here in our local community is not with us any longer. Matt, um, I think that you hit it the best. You know, another figure that means so much to community has Jeff been, uh, has anyone been been hit harder by that than Jeffersonville? I mean, you think of so many legends that made. Jeffersonville so special you know you, you could think of a Mount Rushmore of people you know you include your Teddy Throckmore your Pat Higgins so on go, go on down the line you can have another Mount Rushmore of people and these are all people who have passed away in the past 10 years or so that is what made Jeffersonville special you know we can go on and on about art here and an absolute legend you know when part before River Valley P.K. Falkenstein was you know, we we texted on the side. He just said that uh, Rick Myers and Art Hare, you know, were legends before that. You know, they had Parkview going and everything: boys basketball, girls basketball, uh, track. Art coached everything. Art coached football. I had guys tell me uh, um, about football when he would do stuff. I had um, uh, he, he ran the clock at the games, and then in the lunchroom, my goodness, you get in the teachers' lounge, he held court. They're another example of someone that will be missed dearly by Jeffersonville and anyone who know uh, Art here. You know, just an absolute legend of Jeffersonville High School. Yeah, no question. He will definitely be missed. He was sure kind to me. Chad, we've got oh, five minutes or so left, so uh, winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. I know that we both have taken a liking to that. I said earlier in the show, I said, you know, when I promoting the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, I uh, said, so if you listen to the show, I mean, are, are Chad and I the only guys that listen to it? I had one text, and it was a personal text. Jim Shannon said he tried out the show recently for the first time. He said he needed to watch a little bit more, though, before he could get hooked, which I was hooked from the very get-go. But last night, I think you agree, probably the best episode so far. Last week, we said, based on the preview for last night, it appeared that Larry Bird was getting ready to make his entrance into the series, and that's what we got. We got a lot of L.A. and Boston last night, Magic against Bird uh, in L.A.'s first trip to Boston in that uh, rookie season of Magic's. Unbelievable that Coach Shannon did not just grab that hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) Not because Jim Shannon is a Hall of Fame basketball coach, but because – Jim Shannon is a movie connoisseur. I mean, it's, it's Siskel Ebert Shannon. 
You know, nobody goes to the movies or watches more movies. You get on me, there's nobody who watches more than Jim Shannon. And for him not to like that, that that's a, that's almost like a Critics' Choice Award. You know, take out him being a basketball coach, being a basketball. Take put in his movie. You know, his his taste for movies, his cinematography. You know, he knows it all. But I guarantee, if he watches more. It'll bite you. You know, in my first episode, I got it was tough for me, Matt, to get past, you know, John C. Riley being Jerry Bush. You know, I, I just kept thinking that Will Ferrell's going to bust in on Step Brothers and they're going to get in a wrestling match in the Lakers <laughs> locker room or something. But the more I watch, the more I believe it. And I'm just all in. And last night's episode, Matt, you know, I text you, you hadn't watched it yet. Best one of all. It was the best episode yet. And it's just so intriguing, so just pull you in how it is, you know, thinking, man, this is, I can remember this type of stuff and thinking, man, I don't know if this is how it was, but it's pretty daggone close. And to be in that back, I think you and I like the back scenes as much as anything, you know, it's those all access deal. This move, this, this show is all access. Now I'm sure there's some things that are dramatized and we talked about, uh, a bad look for Jerry West coming out of it. I think uh, Paul Westhead is really looking bad here. That He just can't turn his hump last night. However, there was a twist on it where Paul Westhead kind of felt his oats a little bit. And, you know, it feels like, hey, this is my team and grabbed hold of it. I thought, I thought it was excellent. And to see Pat Riley, you know, come of age. And if anybody has read anything about Pat Riley, they know he's no-nonsense does not play around, will pull your card quick. And to see how he came about that. And there was a, a, a part of the episode where he put Westhead in the shower and tried to make him, you know, this is your team. you get, you got to get hold of this stuff. It just shows you what a leader and how a competitor that Pat Riley was. You know, and people know, you know, Pat Riley played for Kentucky, so on, you know, went on with the Lakers, the Heat, great basketball guy. But to see what the stuff behind the scenes, I mean, Unbelievable. Well, the the bus and magic characters we've already talked about. The actors that play them are unbelievable. But Pat Riley, who's beginning to come more of a regular part of the series and not just a, a color commentary guy with Chick on the radio, uh, that guy and I can't. Adrian Brody is that his name? Yeah, he he he's really good too. Uh, oh, he, he's, he, he's, he's really excellent. Good. Yeah, yeah, he's really excellent. Good. And and you look at him, you know, look at Kareem. I mean, it's dead on Kareem's face. Even go down to Jamal Wilkes. And when you saw Larry Bird last night, you think, this don't look like Larry Bird. But the more it went on, the more it did look like Larry. It reminded you of Larry Bird. So, I mean, Red Auerbach, uh, it's just, it, it go, the list goes on and on and pulls you in deeper and deeper. What I loved last night was how hard they said it was to play in the Boston Gardens. They said, you know, Norm Nixon, another one who was outstanding. I think Norm Nixon's son is actually playing Norm Nixon on this. And... It showed him, you know, it's, it's it's almost like a chill is in the air at the Boston Gardens, and you hear a voice of a leprechaun. It showed a leprechaun, you know, laughing. It showed walking back to the locker rooms, and it just how the Boston Celtics created that home court advantage. Yeah, fun stuff. Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. Chad, thanks for the uh, chat. We'll talk with you next week. Matt, I appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday program. Back every day this week at 11 a.m., this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.